KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. An interesting lawsuit in the pipeline brought by four former minor league baseball affiliates. It's challenging Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption. Wanted to talk about what the lawsuit and this exemption are all about. So we reached out to Ken Jacobson, practice professor of law, Temple University, Beasley School of Law. Give a listen. So to start, just in the idea of full disclosure, want to let everybody know that uh, you'll be talking to me from a law professor standpoint, but you do have a limited partner ship with uh, one of the local minor league teams in Wilmington, correct? Uh, that's correct. I am a founding uh, a partner of the Wilmington Blue Rocks, uh, which was uh, organized uh, 29 years ago. Uh, in that uh, capacity, I'm an investor. I'm a passive investor. I don't have operational responsibility. We have a general manager that does that and an operating partner. Uh, but, uh, you know, I certainly bring a wealth of knowledge about the issues we're going to be talking about today. But I'm really here as a sports law professor uh, and I think something of an expert in what we're going to be talking about from that perspective. So my first question for our discussion, I guess it's not so much a question as it is a request. Explain Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption. What is what exactly is it? What does it allow because this is something we're going to reference, and I think this is one of those things that fans here talked about and maybe understand in the abstract, but don't quite understand why it's so important. All right, all right, and and uh, uh, there's a bit of history here, um, and and let's start from the prop, you know, from an explanation of you know just briefly of the antitrust laws. The antitrust laws are uh, designed to protect consumers. Uh, they want to avoid. Uh, um, conspiracies, uh, cooperative agreements that might have an adverse impact economically on consumers. Uh, so that's the basis of, of what the antitrust laws are. Now we'll talk about the exemption. Uh, and it goes back to a Supreme Court decision in 1922. Uh, what happened was you had the American League of Baseball and you had the National League of Baseball. And there was a new league that popped up called the Federal League. And American League and the National League acquired, uh, basically poached the teams uh, from the Federal League except one. So that one team got very upset and sued the uh, professional baseball uh, under the antitrust laws that it was trying to create a monopoly. It was trying to dominate the uh, sport of professional baseball. In a decision that was, uh, I think, uh, bizarre at the time was written, uh, and it remains bizarre today, uh, the Supreme Court said that baseball did not affect interstate commerce, that the antitrust laws that are federal laws that are supposed to uh, protect against you know, antitrust violations and affect conduct that affects interstate commerce, that the baseball laws, did, uh, that the antitrust laws did not apply. They said even though the players were crossing state lines to play, it was basically a local sport and therefore the antitrust laws did not apply. It, it was, I think, bizarre at the time because uh, obviously the players were crossing state lines, uh, the teams were, were engaged in interstate commerce, uh, and it raised some eyebrows, but it nevertheless, uh, it, you know, when the Supreme Court speaks, that's the law of the land. 50 years later, the Supreme Court had an opportunity to address the issue again. And there were some decisions in between, but 
with Kurt Flood, with the laws that, that prevented baseball players from moving from one team to another freely. And Kurt Flood was the player, and they wanted to challenge the restrictions on free agency and player mobility. And again, there was a challenge that was made, and it went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court decided that it was going to uphold the antitrust exemption, meaning Flood could not bring a claim under the federal antitrust laws because of this baseball exemption. And it engaged in what critics, and myself included, uh, thought was kind of bizarre reasoning. And that was, even though we may have been wrong in 1922, and this really is interstate commerce, and you can imagine in 1972, with television and planes and uh, teams traveling all over the United States, it's clearly interstate commerce, uh, that the Supreme Court said, if Congress didn't like what we did in 1922, it's had 50 years to correct it and to pass a law that say, hey, wait a minute, Supreme Court, you got it wrong. The antitrust laws do apply to baseball, and it could have spoken on that. So the Supreme Court essentially hunted and said, Congress hasn't done anything, and baseball has evolved. We're not going to do anything and leave the antitrust uh, exemption on the books. You know, of course, in between there, the Supreme Court had decided that football, professional football, was subject to the antitrust laws, that the NBA was subject to the antitrust laws, and other, all other professional sports were subject to the antitrust laws. Why? Because they're engaged in interstate activities. That's the nature of what the professional sports were. So this antitrust exemption, I think, is a uh, remnant and relic of the past in decisions that initially were not well, I thought, well uh, thought through or decided, uh, were perpetuated by, I think, equally bad reasoning. And I really am skeptical whether if the Supreme Court had that issue today, it wouldn't wipe out that exemption uh, completely. So let's talk a little bit about this lawsuit that kind of fostered uh, wanting to have this discussion with you. There are four minor league teams that have uh, filed a federal lawsuit, I believe Southern District of New York, uh, about challenging this. Kind of what's on the table with this case? This case really is about a contraction in professional baseball, both majors and minors, that happened in 2019 and 2020. And can I give a brief explanation? Absolutely. So the way the way the baseball system operated, and still does, but in restructured form, a team like the Wilmington Blue Rocks, uh, there are minor league clubs that are individually owned. Uh, some are owned by the parent organizations, but individually owned by investors and others. Some of these are in metropolitan areas like Wilmington. Others, and quite often many, are in more rural areas and are family businesses. Uh, the, 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 the husband is the president. The wife is the vice president in charge of merchandising. The kids do the concessions. So it's really a part of Americana. Uh, the minor league teams uh, enter into a contractual arrangement with a parent organization, a professional club, to develop their players, to be the house, to be the stadium at which their players are going to play. So for example, the Wilmington Blue Rocks, for most of our career, we were affiliated with the Kansas City Royals. So Kansas City would send young players who are not ready for prime time in the big leagues 
to the Wilmington Blue Rocks and to other major league, other minor league organizations where they would develop their skills, cultivate their skills, and then hopefully move up the ladder until they make it to professional baseball. Uh, in 2019, and that was all, that's been the way it was for a hundred years. Uh, in 2019, uh, there was a uh, desire on the part of Major League Baseball to kind of restructure minor league baseball. I think the sense was that there were too many minor league teams. And the other sense was that some of these teams were playing in stadiums that were main, main, you know, maybe not up to par. Players were traveling long distances. So there was a desire to have a contraction of the number of teams that were part of the minor league farm system. There were negotiations that, uh, from what I understand, I wasn't a party to them, but negotiations between minor league baseball, which was its own entity with its own commissioner, and major league baseball that uh, did not were not productive in trying to reach a mutual agreement. So baseball was restructured starting in September of 2020. Uh, and what Major League Baseball did was it limited the number of teams. It, it, 40 teams were basically cut uh, from the 160 teams that were part of minor league baseball at the time. And Major League Baseball also uh, imposed other requirements that wanted more. It wanted more of their minor league teams to be geographically close to the parent team. So, you know, for example, the Phillies have always had their minor league teams close to Philadelphia, except Clearwater. And that's because, you know, the Clearwater is uh, there where they do spring training and Clearwater had invested a lot of money in their facilities. But there was a desire to get these teams in closer proximity to each other. Um, with that, certain of those 40 teams got, and, and, and they reconfigured the leagues that these teams played in as well. Uh, the minor league teams. Uh, so with that, certain teams were cut. And uh, these were uh, businesses. Some of them had been in businesses for decades. Some have been businesses for, uh, for you know, uh, fewer years. But there were substantial investments made by the owners of these clubs to buy the teams in the first place and operate the team. And really, almost literally overnight, Many of these teams were did not make the cut and were uh, uh, no longer affiliated with either Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball. And the Staten Island Yankees was one of the teams that was uh, uh, caught up in this. So what are they trying to do? And you mentioned the Staten Island Yankees, and I think the other three teams, as I have here, the Norwich Sea Unicorns, the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes, and the Tri-City Valley Cats are the four teams that uh, filed this lawsuit. What are they pushing to do, well, um, you know they're 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 pushing to try and have things go back to the way they were, or to have uh, not allow Major League Baseball to have the kind of dominance and influence that it has in order to uh, you know to uh, uh, get their place, have their seat at the table again. Um, they also, the Staten Island Yankees also filed a state court action as pending in New York state court for breach of contract and, and other things uh, against the Yankees based on what they say were promises that were made when the Staten Island uh, Investor Group bought the team uh, years ago. So I think they, I, my, my, and I've read the complaint, I've read the complaint carefully, and this isn't the only complaint 
that's been filed by um, uh, minor league teams that have been uh, that have lost their affiliation. Uh, they want they want things to go back the way they were, uh, or at least they want to be compensated for the lost money, the loss of investment. Because when you when you lose your affiliation, uh, you know if, if you own a team and that team has a certain valuation, it's worth a certain amount of money uh, based on what it's done in the past and what its future business is going to be by putting on uh, baseball games there. That vanished pretty much overnight for a lot of these teams. Some of them, you know, they went out of business. They, they, the club folded. Uh, so I think it's a combination of trying to go back to the way things were uh, or, or in the alternative, being compensated for what they say are damages that they suffered from the conduct of Major League Baseball. Is there a possibility that as this proceeds, and you mentioned other that the the antitrust exemption will be before the Supreme Court, or or it will be put on a in a situation where it could be in play to to not be an exemption anymore. I I think the answer is yes. Whether this is the vehicle for it, or there's another vehicle, I think Justice Kavanaugh uh, demonstrated in his uh, concurring opinion, which is kind of blistering in uh, uh, in the Alston case, that uh, the NCAA case. Uh, you know these no, that he's no fan of these kinds of uh, exemptions and and from the antitrust laws. When I teach this in my sports law classes, you know I point out the exemption, but I also say that I do not know that that exemption will survive scrutiny by the Supreme Court. So I think that there will be a time, although there have been several opportunities for the Supreme Court to address the baseball exemption and they've uh, antitrust exemption and they've turned it down. I think with this court and a composition of this court, the appetite may be uh, better to try and address this head on, whether it's in this case or another case. But Matt, let me let me point out one thought that I have uh, about the antitrust exemption. Even if, even if there is no exemption, it doesn't mean that conduct that might be anti-competitive automatically is a violation of the federal antitrust laws. And can I give you examples? Absolutely. All right. For example, in baseball or in football, which where there is no exemption, the league limits the number of teams, of foot, professional football teams. The league says, the National Football League says, we're going to have 32 teams, period. No more teams. The owners get to vote, have to vote on that. And uh, we're going to dictate, you know, how many teams there are. We're going to dictate whether a team could relocate. Uh, we're going to dictate all of those terms. That is, by its nature, anti-competitive in the sense that the more teams that you have playing, the more availability the product, that is professional football, is and the more consumer choices you have, and maybe even more, you know, it may even be less expensive. So the, the antitrust laws in the sports industry are very uniquely applied. And that is that the, the courts recognize, including the Supreme Court, that there have to be these agreements among the owners of the NFL, among the owners of Major League Baseball, among the owners of the National Basketball Association. There have to be these agreements uh, in order to put the product on the field in the first place. There have to be these agreements that that might adversely be, you know, impact consumers or be anti-competitive 
but nevertheless, we're going to tolerate because uh, it actually makes consumer choices you know, more available. So even if the antitrust laws uh, are extended to Major League Baseball, it doesn't mean that you know whatever is going to happen with the Staten Island Yankees or, or others, it doesn't mean that they automatically are going to win. Uh, the Supreme Court and our courts in the other professional sports, base, uh, football, um, basketball, hockey, they apply what we call a rule of reason. You know, is there a reasonable explanation for why we need these kind of restrictions? Is there a reason for why Major League Baseball needed to reduce the minor league system from 160 teams to 120 teams? Is there some, you know, justification for that? So uh, I'm not saying that the Staten Island Yankees are not going to win. I'm just saying that, you know, even, assu even assuming they are able to knock out the baseball antitrust exemption, uh, it doesn't mean that there's a victory at the end of the road for them. You know, it'll depend on, you know, what the evidence is and how the court's going to an analyze this case. From a 30,000 foot view, kind of looking beyond these cases, but let's say the exemption does go away. Right. How would that change life for Major League Baseball? What? Why have they held held on to this so strongly? What what could it open the door for uh, that uh, could hurt uh, the league, hurt the sport? I, I don't see, I don't see other than, other than, and I'm not minimizing the Staten Island Yankees or these other plaintiffs in this case, and, and perhaps the damages they have suffered. There may be consequences to um, individual businesses or entities from what, uh, from what uh, the professional sports leagues do, but I don't see sea changes in how baseball is operated, you know, just like, you know, as I say, in the NFL, you have a draft. A draft is anti-competitive, you know, to tell a player you can't go and play for, you know, any other team but the team that drafted you, you know, it, it restricts that player's opportunity to, to play for whomever he or she wants to play for. That is accepted under the rule of reason. Those same rules apply in baseball, despite, you know, it's antitrust exemption. So I don't see a sea change really in, in, in just generally in the games that are broadcast and how we're going to enjoy baseball if that exemption goes. You know, there are individual consequences that may fall on teams like the Staten Island Yankees or, for example, St. Louis when they lost their, their, their you know, their, their football team, you know, um, there were consequences to the city from that. You know, the, 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 the Cardinals were allowed to move and relocate, and there, there were consequences to the city from that. But on a global macro 30,000-foot basis, uh, I don't see a real change in how baseball is conducted in the United States. We're still going to have farm systems. Uh, we're still going to have players coming up through the ranks of the farm systems to become pros. Uh, we're still going to have our rivalries. Uh, we're still going to have huge television contracts uh, for broadcasting games. So on a 50,000, 30,000 foot level, I don't see much of a change if this exemption is tossed. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.